0: and we're in the fourth chapter, and Nebuchadnezzar's had another dream. And we looked at it in the previous episode. But let me read through the dream again, then we'll pick up where, uh, the interpretation where Daniel speaks it forth, okay? <clears throat> so this is Daniel, chapter 4, verse 10, Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Now these are the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking, and behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong. And his height reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. His foliage was beautiful, and his fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all the living creatures fed themselves from it. I was looking in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven, he shouted out and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree and cut off his branches. <clears throat> strip off his foliage and scatter his fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets it over the lowliest of men. Verse 18, This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able... For a spirit of the holy gods is in you. <clears throat> this is an intriguing, intriguing dream, is it not? We looked at the first part of the dream previously and then just touched upon the last part. So let me pick up this last part again of what happens. So you have this gigantic tree, which the whole world's dependent upon. That's the bottom line. But then the watcher declares that this tree needs to be chopped down. It's gonna be chopped down, it's gonna be have his branches cut off, it's gonna be stripped of his foliage. It's not going to have any fruit. The fruit's going to be scattered. The beasts that were under it, that were living under it, that were protected by it are going to be fleeing. The birds are going to be scattered from its branches. Yet, this declaration said that the stump was to remain with its root in the ground. And there was to be a band of iron on top of that stump, iron and bronze, uh, out in in the new grass of the field. The idea being, we're not going to destroy this tree. It's going to be cut down. It's going to be pruned back, but it's going to be protected. No one really knows what that band of iron and bronze is. Uh, There's a couple, two, three options, but the bottom line with it is that it's some form of protection to to protect the stump the way it won't rot out or something like that, but to leave the roots in the ground. What's really intriguing in verse 15, and I touched on this a little bit in the previous episode, but pay attention to this. He says, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. It's talking about a tree, a tree, a tree, a tree. And then in the middle of a sentence, in the middle of verse 15, all of a sudden this tree becomes a hymn, a hymn. It's an individual, it's a person. So this is the beginning of understanding what the interpretation of this thing is. So look what he says about it. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Well, how are you drenched with the dew of heaven? Well, the rest of that sentence says, and let him share with the beast in the grass of the earth. Ah, so the idea is that this him, this him who was the great tree, who has now been, can we say, chopped down to size? Okay. That this him is going to be living outside. It's going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. He's going to share with the beast in the grass of the earth. He's literally going to be eating grass. Then verse 16, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let a beast mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. Oh, wow. I mean, this is really sort of interesting all the way around. This tree, which we now know is some person, is going to be drenched with the dew of heaven. It's going to be living outside. He is going to be eating the grass of the earth. His mind is not going to be the mind of a man, but he's going to be given a beast mind. And this is going to last for seven periods of time. You see this type of phraseology in Daniel. So I'll just tell you from the very beginning what's being spoken of right here. We know this. Uh, you don't know it just by reading this. You think, well, how long is a period of time? When you see how long it lasts, and you see the end of the story, you see some other other things, this is a seven-year period, okay? It's a seven-year period. So this individual is going to be like this for seven years. But then, verse 17, this sentence is by the decree of the watchers. The decree of the watchers. And the decision is a command of the holy ones, the watchers, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets it over the lowliest of men. Hmm. So what is this talking about? Who are these watchers? These watchers are other Elohim. These watchers, some of which, if not all, we're not quite sure here, are part of God's divine counsel. You see that in Psalm 82. You see it in several portions of the Scripture also, that God has a divine counsel. He uses a counsel. He doesn't need a counsel. He doesn't require a counsel. He simply chooses to use one. Okay, It's very simple. And you see some great accounts about this. There's one over, uh, I want to say it's 2 Kings 22, but hold me on on that. It may be 1 Kings 22. But it's another example where God looks at his divine counsel and he says, hey, it's time for Ahab to die. Y'all got any ideas how to do that? And it literally says, one says this and one says that. So they were given options to God. Now, did God know what he was going to do? Yes. Did God know what their response was going to be? Yes. The bottom line is that he uses divine counsel. He uses these watchers. He uses mankind. He has divine beings. He has human beings. And he uses us to this purpose right here. He says that these watchers, the watchers come down and make this decree. And he says this is a decision, is command of the holy ones. So it's a command of the holy ones that God has agreed with and has confirmed. And the whole point is that the living, that we human beings, even the divine, divine beings too, will know that the most high is the ruler over the realm of mankind. And that the most high bestows it, that rulership, on whoever he wishes. And he sets over it the lowliest of men. The bottom line with all this is he's saying, God, the Most High, is the one who established the rulers. You didn't establish yourself. Now, we don't know who this tree is. We don't know who this man is. But yes, we do know. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. It's Nebuchadnezzar. He's the one declaring this right here. Remember how he started the chapter? He said, I want to declare the wondrous things of God and what he's done for me and the amazing signs and the amazing wonders. And then he starts to recount what happened to him. We haven't got to that happening part, but we will in the next episode or two, right? But he's literally speaking of himself, of what he's learning, that the Most High is ruler over all the realm of mankind. Well, I know I'm hurrying here, but my time is up. We'll continue with the next episode, okay? Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you then.